The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 131. Today is Sunday, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. So happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone observing uh, this very sanctimonious and religious holidays that is celebrated here by uh, drinking green beer. Uh, <laughs> Green Miller Light. Uh, so we had a ton of MMA action inside the cage, outside the cage, everywhere else this past <laughs> week. But before we get into all that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from frigid New Jersey after a week hiatus, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, good to have you back, my man. I don't have to do this shit on my own today and talk for an hour straight losing my voice how you feeling kid bill i got a mean sinus infection but i couldn't let you down two weeks in a row bill but bill the show last week was awesome i was listening to it before i went to sleep and i thought you did an awesome job by yourself but bill let's not stand on ceremony <laughs> bill new jersey is starting to warm up a little bit mm-hmm I know that you have been outdoors, but before I ask you about this, Bill, I, I know that everybody's excited for green beer today, but I am excited for the Shamrock Shake, all right? <laughs> Bill, you're always telling me to eat right, and I, I, I do. I've been, I've been better lately, but whenever March comes around, I got to have at least one Shamrock Shake. And it, this is McDonald's, correct? Yes, this is from McDonald's, but moving on from the sweetness because i know you don't have that much of a sweet tooth bill what did you get into yesterday while these fights were going on yeah so the the wife convinced me to somehow wake up early on a saturday and run a 5k with the baby um i and it seemed like a good idea when she brought it up and then i wasn't too crazy about the idea as it got closer but you know we we went we did the thing ran the race um you know, I was pushing the pushing the baby in the stroller, and you know, no, no matter how fast I went, Jeff, she was still ahead of me. So that it's just like, <laughs> oh man, it's just like, it's just like life as a father. You're always gonna be a step behind the kid. You know, it's just the you just come to accept that defeat. <laughs> but Bill, it, <laughs> that was a that was a beautiful metaphor, Bill. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, so the, the race, the beautiful thing about this, the really beautiful part about it is it ends at a playground, let the kid run around on the playground, tire herself out back in the stroller for a nap while we walk to a nearby brewery. So, I mean, it, it, it's not my ideal situation to be running, you know, three miles as soon as I wake up in the morning, but if I'm going to do it, I got to at least be rewarded by going to a brewery. We went to a brewery in Dunedin called Caledonia. 
And I believe it's the only brewery in Dunedin that I had not been to yet. Uh, you know, I've mentioned the various others that I, I love in Dunedin. It's really like a mecca for craft beers, especially uh, here in the Tampa Bay area. You got Seven Sun, Dunedin Brewery, uh, QNE. Uh, there, there's a whole whole bunch, but I had not been to Caledonia. I had the Dragon's Blood Red Ale, which was I was a huge fan of that. And then they also had a really good IPA called Hoptacular. Uh, really uh, bright flavors, really forward on the hops, but not too bitter. You know, you don't you don't want to have too much bitterness in your IPA, or maybe you do, uh, if if that's your flavor. But uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Caledonia. So if you find yourself in, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay area, which you will very soon, Jeff, uh, I highly recommend, you know, doing the brewery tour in Dunedin. I don't think a lot of the breweries distribute too far yet. Um, it seems to be the thing with craft beer. You know, you can, it, if they're, if they're able to distribute it too far, it's probably being, you know, watered down in the production. You know, that's what we're seeing happen with a lot of these big breweries. But in any case, Jeff, that was, that was my Saturday. Um, any, any big news going on in your life this weekend, or are you just trying to recover and, and get ready to attack the week here? Yeah, I'm just trying to get some rest, dude, recover, see if I can get back in the gym because I had to take a couple days off because of the sinus infection. Mm -hmm. And I get them a lot, Bill. Um, I think uh, I think it's like whenever the weather changes because this week it starts to really feel like spring in Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's some things you can't account for no matter how well you eat or are starting to eat. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we'll power through it. So, Bill, speaking of powering through things, I think that we got to give it up for a man that we have both criticized a little bit on the show, but I think we've given him his due respect. I think we got to give it to him again. Bill, the Count himself, the greatest English fighter to date because he's been the only English champion. Michael Bisping <laughs> is in the Hall of Fame, Bill. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's well-deserved. I mean, obviously, he won a championship. I think he's second for most wins in the UFC. Uh, you know, love him or hate him, he's he's put on exciting fights. Uh, he's always a gamer. You know, came off the bench on like two weeks' notice to knock out Luke Rockhold for the championship after being submitted by him in his last fight. Um, you know, just such a a tough dude. You know, he spent the last couple of fights with that oil or whatever it was on his eyeball. He could barely see out of it and he didn't want to get the surgery to get it fixed because he would have had to take too much time off. Just a real tough dude. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, and it, and it looks like he's got a bright future ahead of him as a broadcaster as well. Um, I, I do enjoy his analysis up in the booth. I haven't heard too much of his play by play yet, but, um, you know, it's always good to see these guys who, who did so much for the sport come full circle and, and be able to, to still be a part of it and you know well deserved i i i went through phases with michael bisbing where i wasn't a fan of him and then if he was fighting certain people i, I wanted to see him do well and it, it was like a back and forth and love and hate and um you know that's what makes it so interesting and that's what makes him so deserving of this spot in the hall of fame so congratulations to michael bisbing any other thoughts from you about it jeff 
Yeah, but I like what you said about liking him and hating him. I think that's very accurate. I think that in pro wrestling, you, you have heels who are the bad guys, and then you have faces who are the good guys. I think Michael Bisping was able to play both really well, actually. Against uh, Luke Rockhold, I think a lot of people rooting for him just because not a lot of people like Luke Rockhold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were times where you enjoyed hating him, like against Dan Henderson. I would even say against uh, George St. Pierre as well. Yeah. Um, I remember being live for that fight, man, and and it was great. So I'm glad I got to see Bisping fight in person. And he was just a, a fun fighter to watch. You know, like you said, he never put on a dull fight. He's always game for whoever they put across from him. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Michael Bisping. I think it's well-deserved. And I think that I'm glad the UFC is going to take care of him in uh, terms of broadcasting and everything because I love watching him break down fights as well. Yeah, for sure. Bright things in the future of Michael Bisping and a lot of great memories uh, as a fighter as well. So another person who has given us a lot of great memories as a fighter and who has not been getting the due respect, especially in the media lately. I really want to get into this before we talk about Fight Night 147 uh, from London last night. And, And that's Tony Ferguson. And I really feel... Like the media has done Tony Ferguson dirty here, Jeff. You know, I've been talking to you about this on the side um, through text messages throughout the week. And the headlines that came out were just so disrespectful because here's a guy in Tony Ferguson. If you're not up to date on what's going on, he's basically going through a, a severe mental breakdown of some kind where he thinks that there are people living in his walls and he took apart his fireplace because he thought somebody was in there. He thought somebody put a computer chip in his leg. And, you know, obviously his wife is very concerned by this behavior, his wife, Christina. So what she did was leave the house and call the police and say, you know, my husband's acting very strange. And every time the police showed up, Tony was like, you know, Uh, I'm fine. And they said, do you want to see a doctor? Do you want help? And he refused because he's an adult and he can do that. Now, what happened from here is Christina tried to get Tony Ferguson's coaches and other people in his life to get him to go seek help. And he wouldn't do it. Clearly, he needs to see some kind of doctor or therapist or something because there's something off. We've always known there's something a little bit off with Tony Ferguson, but it's gotten to the point where you know, it's not just strange behavior, it's concerning behavior. And obviously his wife cares about him a lot and she's really concerned for him. So she took his son out of the house and she filed a temporary restraining order. Now, the way this was reported in the media was that Tony Ferguson's wife filed a restraining order due to domestic violence. Now, domestic violence can mean a lot of things. It can be physical abuse, it can be emotional abuse. you know, it's a very broad category uh, in most states. You know, it, it's not um, it's not restricted just to physical abuse. But when you say Tony Ferguson's wife filed a restraining order for domestic violence and you show a picture of him all bloodied up from one of his cage fights, uh, you know, the average person from reading that headline can only adu- deduce that he was uh, abusive towards his family. And that was definitely not the case. I read all of the police reports because these are public records. um, And I can share these out on 
on Facebook or, or Twitter for anyone who's interested at MMA on the rocks. And during each police report, Christina stated that she did not feel unsafe around Tony at any point. And she even released a statement saying that he's a good father and we're just worried about him and we want to see the best for him. And that's why she had to file the restraining order. So what this does is since she files a temporary restraining order, if he wants to be reunited with his family, he has to go and seek the help that they think he needs. And that I think it's very clear that he needs. I mean, it's nothing to joke about. Obviously, if you think people are living in your walls and are out to get you and things like that, uh, something's off. You know, maybe it's a chemical imbalance. Maybe it's medication he's taking. Maybe it's, uh, you know, overtraining and lack of sleep. At one point, his wife said that he hadn't been sleeping for three days. But I just want to, uh, you know, send out some positive vibes to Tony Ferguson, um, who's always been such a great competitor. And even though he has displayed a lot of strange behavior in the past, um, you know, we have we have to wish the best for him right now, and and not kick him while he's down, and and make it seem like he's being abusive to his family who's just trying to help him. And it's unfortunate that he has to go through this in the public eye. I can't imagine uh, how much stress this is putting on him and his family uh, to have to go through this and, and have the media coming down on him so hard like that. But I, I really wanted to do my part uh, as part of the media here, Jeff, to get out the true story of what's going on here. And that's a woman who's concerned for the mental health of her husband. And, you know, that's something that we should be celebrating instead of putting Tony Ferguson down uh, and saying, you know, that he was committing domestic violence, even though that's what uh, the restraining order said, you know, there was a reason for it. And, you know, if something else comes out, comes out that, you know, maybe he wasn't doing the right thing, then that's a different story. But, for now, with all the facts that we have and everything I've read in the police reports and the statements from his wife, um, this is the truth. And that's the story that needs to be told. So I wanted to make sure that got out there. Give me your thoughts on this, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, that was I think you hit the nail on the head. It was perfectly said, man. Um, I have been you know, I haven't followed this too closely, but uh, I get some of my MMA news from MMA World and MMA on point because I'm subscribed to them on YouTube and um hold on i just want to look up a statement that i found so but i think you're right 100 percent. i love that his wife is is looking out for him and going you know that extra mile to make sure that her husband's okay and he gets the help that he needs mm -hmm. um you know uh I, I think that's important man uh especially you know their kids are gonna see that and you know, hopefully one day when his kids are married and their marriage, you know, comes across a problem, they'll say, you know what, I got to take care of this person of my spouse like my mom did for my dad. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I think it was a beautiful sentiment, Bill. And um, before I go on, I just want to read this from MMAJunkie.com. Uh, it says on February 19th, police conducted a welfare check on Ferguson made unknown threats and his wife and son left their house an unidentified female who stated Ferguson had not slept for three days and was tearing apart the home like you said and broke apart the fireplace and believed someone placed a computer chip in his leg an unidentified male stated that Ferguson told him someone was inside his walls so Bill so far you know everything seems to check out I, I don't think there's any foul play here 
and like you said, I agree with you 100%. I hope Fergus gets taken care of, you know, and like you said, it could just be a chemical imbalance, man. Something in his brain could just not be firing off the right way, um, which happens. So hopefully Tony Ferguson gets the help he needs and hopefully everything works out in his personal life. And then once that's all settled down, I want to see him get back in that cage, Bill. But ultimately, I want him to get his real life settled down first, you know. Um, at the end of the day, these fighters are still humans, Bill. And I think that they deserve to be happy and healthy just like everybody else. Yeah, champ shit only, kid, as Tony <laughs> Ferguson often says. Uh, so, yeah, cre credit to Christina for handling this like a champion, too. Um, you know, she did the right thing, you know, putting her – her child first. It's a scary thing when you see somebody you love, you know, ripping the walls out of the house because um, they're, they're having some kind of breakdown and they're not sleeping and not taking care of themselves. So a powerful move by, by uh, uh, Tony Ferguson's wife, Christina. So all the best to the Ferguson family. And um, you know, I really hope he, he does get that help that he needs and that this works out for all of them and, and they're able to reunite the family and he's able to, um, you know, get back to some normalcy in his life. All right. <clears throat> All that aside, Jeff, let's get into some MMA because we had an awesome card in London last night at the O2 Arena, Fight Night 147, headlined by welterweights Jorge Masvidal and Darren Till. And this was a great fight. So let, let's just get right into the main event here. And I was saying last week that I felt like a lot of people were counting Jorge Masvidal out, and I can't understand why. I know he's coming off a couple of losses, but they were pretty close decisions to top competition, Stephen Thompson, Damian Maya. And, <clears throat> you know, he's just he's just a tough son of a bitch, man. You just can't you can't intimidate this guy. Uh, you can't make him back down. He got dropped with a heavy left hand in the first round. And he's talking shit as he's hitting the ground, Jeff. He's got this giant gorilla, Darren Till, who should be a middleweight, like trying to smash him. And he's on a, on his back, like talking shit up to him. And then, you know, beautiful scramble to roll back up. And then he's right in his face. You know, he, he took his, he took the biggest shots. He got rocked again in that first round. Um, but, you know, that he landed his own shots, too. I love the game plan from Masvidal here. Uh, I feel like uh, he picked up on the timing of Till very well, and he noticed that Till was parrying out really far with his right lead hand. And he took advantage of that in the ending combination, which he used several times within the first round. It was that right hand to the left hook, and... He knew that Till was parrying out too far, which means he was reaching out his hand too far to block the punches, and then he went over the top with the hook. He did it a couple of times, and in the finishing sequence, what he did was he drove inside with an oblique kick to the opposite leg. So he used his right leg to kick Till's right leg, had him thinking low in combination with knowing that Till was going to parry too far, and then... As he was thinking low, parrying out too far, Masvidal switched stances and came in with that same combination, the right hand to the left hook, and then he followed it up with another left hook as Till was falling to the ground and put him out absolutely cold. It was a beautiful performance by Jorge Masvidal. It was controlled chaos. It was everything you would want to see from a main event, and uh, I'm still excited about it. I rewatched the whole fight twice. 
this morning, Jeff, because it was just it was that great of a performance. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this main event. Yeah, dude, I like your terminology for it. Controlled chaos, man. Masvidal went in there. He knew what he was getting into. He knew what to do against there until. And, Bill, I'd actually texted you this, I think, earlier this week or sometime last week that I didn't think Darren Till had the fight IQ to deal with Jorge Masvidal. I thought that Masvidal just had too much experience. Darren Till, he wasn't going to go in there and and win with his, his – you know, Darren Till is just really technical. Mm-hmm. And Masvidal, while he was thinking, he, he wasn't fighting orthodox. He wasn't fighting like Wonderboy Thompson where, you know, he, he was setting up shots and stuff. Or at least it didn't appear that way. So really good for Masvidal. Great performance from him. Um, it was great to see him back in that cage. And, dude, mm-hmm. I actually felt bad for Darren Till, dude. The way his head hit the mat mm-hmm. and then just bounced off of it. it was, oh, God. I, I don't know if the mics picked this up, but I felt like I heard something. Like yeah. just a really loud thud, man. Um, hopefully Darren Till's okay. He wasn't even up for when they raised Masvidal's hand um, to announce him as the winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully Till's okay, man, and he's not concussed or anything, dude, because he hit that mat hard. But speaking of getting hit hard, Bill, Jorge Masvidal was far from finished after <laughs> finishing Darren Till. Bill, what happened in the locker room afterwards? Because I thought all was cool, and then Masvidal – was ready for rounds three and four after this. Yeah, he seemed so calm. He was being interviewed in the back, and it was a live interview that was being, um, the video was being fed to UFC Tonight, which is like the post the post fight show with um, Karen Bryant and Michael Bisping. And I guess Leon Edwards walked by, and he, he said something to Masvidal along the lines of, I'm going to kick your ass in July. Uh, you know, we should fight in July. And Masvidal said, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And then Leon Edwards was like, well, maybe I'll just kick your ass right now because uh, you're not even worth a, a training camp because you're just a scrub. Something to that effect as he's walking away, which, you know, it's a bitch move. So Masvidal leaves the interview with his hands behind his back, walks up to Leon Edwards. He said, Leon, put his hands up and Masvidal had to give him that three piece and a soda, Jeff. That's just what you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you're raised on the dog fights in the backyards of Miami and somebody comes at you with their hands up, that's what you do. Now, I don't condone this kind of behavior. You know, I like for things to stay professional in a combat sport because we've come such a long way. Um, you know, from the human cockfighting days that uh, things like this typically are a setback, but I don't feel, uh, it was just funny. I I mean, (laughs) 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 I'm trying to be like all professional broadcaster about this and, and, and say the right things, but you know, it was funny, especially in the interview he gave where he was like, I had to give him a three piece and a soda. (laughs) (laughs) um you know masvidal is a warrior man and um yeah i i i'd like to uh well well, give me your thoughts on this jeff and then i want to get back to darren too dude um so i'm with you bill i i I don't like that it happens i don't condone it because you know i i don't like violence outside of the cage 
Um, I'd really settle it in the cage. But damn it, Bill, I can't help but like Jorge Masvidal after that shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he just, oh, man, he went up to him and just said, dude, say that in my face. And it's like, fuck, man, you got to respect the hell out of him for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he definitely won a couple of fans over. Um, but yeah, dude, um, man, it's hard to be mad at Jorge Masvidal. It really is. Um, <laughs> He's a gangster. Um, he came yeah, to take dude. over England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there were like Leon Edwards coaches were there and it was just Masvidal. So it was it was a really crazy scene, dude. Uh, I, I honestly I want them to fight it out in the cage, Bill, because, you know, Masvidal gave him that three piece. And, dude, Edwards was cut, man. After you mm -hmm. see, you know, there, there's some blood coming out. I was like, shit, dude. Like, Masvidal, I think only one punch cut him, caught him clean because uh, Edwards had his hands up. But, dude, mm -hmm. that shot fucking, his knuckles must be knives, dude. Yeah. To, to have cut Edwards like that. Um, but, Bill, let's get back to Darren Till for a sec. Um, what, what did you notice that you liked about? his performance um because in the first round it looked like he was doing a lot of things right yeah i mean he's got heavy hands um i i think he looked a little sluggish and uh, and those body kicks from masvidal probably didn't help look i think darren till needs to move up to middleweight i've been campaigning for this since the wonder boy fight when he missed by so much uh you know i understand the ufc wants to have another big star uh, from England and you know here's a guy who has a great story he came up the hard way in Liverpool uh, which is a rough area of England and you know he's had a lot of hardships in life and and you know he worked through them and he, the, the guy is such a hard worker but now we've seen that his chin is has come into question you know he's grown into his body a little bit more at like uh, 26 years old or I believe he is and um, I think he can't handle his cut anymore. You know, Woodley touched his chin and it dropped him. Uh, Masvidal dropped him uh, with with some big shots. And, you know, not to take anything away from the power of, of Masvidal and Woodley, obviously, uh, you know, they're two very high-level fighters. But, you know, that weight cut, it's it sucks the life out of you. And it, it sucks – um, it, it sucks your brain dry and it, it takes a long time for your brain to rehydrate. It could take, you know, 72 hours to a week and a half. And if your brain's not hydrated, you don't have the same cushion when you take that impact, you know, from the punches and then from the mat, uh, when his head hit so hard, like you said, Jeff. So for Darren Till's health, I would like to see him take a long layoff here. Um, he should probably take at least six months off of sparring. He probably shouldn't fight again for, uh, you know, eight to 12 months um, after a knockout like that. And I believe he should, you know, rework his training to come back in middleweight. That's really what I would like to see. Even if they made that 175 pound division by moving 170 and 175 after creating 165 pounds, I would still like to see Darren Till at middleweight. There's no reason to be uh, sucking your body out so much to get in there to compete like this. Um, you know, I would like to see him compete at a healthy weight and there's a lot of great matchups for him at middleweight. You know, there's a lot of guys that'll get in there and just stand and bang with him. And I feel like he could move up in the rankings pretty well. You know, he's got, 
He's got good takedown defense. We saw that against Jorge Masvidal, you know, who's a good wrestler. And, uh, you know, I think he can do well at that higher division. And, and I think there's some great matchups for him there. Uh, as for Masvidal, I guess the Leon Edwards fight has to be next. Um, I, I saw um, a tweet from Kamaru Usman's manager, Ali, who was saying that Masvidal should be next for the title after knocking out Darren Till. Uh, it's a strong disagree from me on that one. You know, he just came off of two losses, and yeah, he knocked out the number two or three guy in the division. But what Ali is trying to do here is, is actually a pretty brilliant tactic because Colby Covington is next in line uh, for the title with Kamaru Usman, and Colby Covington happens to be teammates with Jorge Masvidal. So what Ali is trying to do is cause some internal fighting with American top team, and it's a pretty, pretty uh, brilliant and dirty strategy you know, get these two uh, fighting each other and trying to beg for the title shot and um, being confident that Kamaru Usman can beat both of them. The Kobe Covington has to get the shot, you know, love him or hate him. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's next and that's a, that's a sellable fight. So, um, I, you know, Masvidal versus Woodley would be a fun fight too. Um, and, and Masvidal versus Edwards. I mean, you got the built in drama. So, um, we may as well just go with that one. Uh, but give me your thoughts on what's next for both of these guys, Jeff, and then we'll we'll move along here. Yeah, dude, I think for Masvidal, I think, like you said, the drama was there. I think you can uh, use that tape as a part of your uh, your advertising for that uh, Edwards fight. So that would be really cool to watch. They can settle their differences in the octagon. And as for Darren Till, I, th I like what you said. I th think that a move up to middleweight is good for him. Uh, we talked about, you know, the issues with weight cutting when uh, TJ Dillashaw got dropped by Henry Cejudo. So, you know, it, it's not good to just drain your body out like that. And Darren Till's got a really big frame, dude. I mean, he had to weigh in naked yesterday. That's usually a sign that you're you're just going to make it. And I think for me, if you have to weigh in naked, I think you got to move up a weight class. Um, Fair. But that's. Yeah, that's just, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, some people can disagree with that, and that's fine. But, you know, um, if if you have to weigh naked, I feel like you can't make the weight comfortably until still weighed in at 171, which, yes, that is welterweight weight, but it's not welterweight title belt weight. So uh, I'd like to see him move up a weight class. Um, so, I'm with Bill, you, Jeff. If we got to see your dick, the weight ain't going to stick. I <laughs> <laughs> <That> was <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> so, Bill, let's get into Leon Edwards' performance mm -hmm. um, before, you know, Masvidal cut him open because I think he did a lot of things right against Gunnar Nelson. Mm -hmm. He was using his wrestling pretty effectively, and you said you told me this yesterday when we were texting. You said mm -hmm. that Edwards beat Gunnar Nelson at his own game. So, Bill, why don't you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so Gunnar Nelson obviously – you know, he's got an unusual striking style that he probably picked up from a karate background and in combination of training with Conor McGregor, but he's a grappler and he's an elite grappler. Um, you know, Damian Maya couldn't finish Gunnar Nelson on the ground. Uh, and that's saying a lot. Leon Edwards was able to beat him up on the feet. Um, he was able to probably break his orbital bone when he was disconnecting from a clinch with a short elbow uh, that caused Gunnar Nelson's face to just swell up immediately. It almost looked like his orbital bone was like sticking out. 
and, and he was able to control him on the ground. And this is a guy in Leon Edwards who is a striker. I mean, if you were to look at this matchup on paper, it's a striker versus a grappler. And Leon Edwards shows that he's got some grappling. I mean, he wasn't going to submit Gunnar Nelson, but he was controlling him on the ground. And that's a big deal. That's an impressive performance from Leon Edwards because now it shows that not only is he an elite striker in this division, but he can hang in there with one of the best grapplers in the division as well. And that's an important thing because this division is very grappling heavy at the top. You know, from the champ Kamaro Usman, you know, you got Ben Askren in here now. Um, so Leon Edwards uh, had a lot to prove here. He's not just a striker. He's a well-rounded fighter. Um, you know, he's not going to submit any of these guys uh, at the top. But um, the fact that he can control Gunnar Nelson on the ground was was very impressive to me. And, uh, you know, here's a guy who, who's got some good wins under his belt, and he needs to... Uh, he needs to take a step up in competition now. And I think Masvidal is probably the the best fight for him. Yeah, Bill, I agree with you 100%. I think that Leon Edwards looked awesome in there. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he his grappling was really good. Um, and like you said, he wasn't trying to submit Gunnar Nelson, but he was definitely controlling Gunnar Nelson, which is huge when it comes to grappling. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you just you break somebody's will, man. Um, you know, no matter what Nelson was going for, Edwards had an answer for it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really impressive. Uh, you know, Gunnar Nelson, we haven't seen him in the cage in a while, but that is a huge feather in Edwards cap. And. I think that he showed that he's diversifying his training uh, because we've talked about this before in England. They don't have wrestling in uh, in school for, mm -hmm. for people to do. Uh, so a lot of these uh, English fighters are stand up guys. But Edwards, uh, he was mixing it up really well. I was really impressed with his performance. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they're finding ways to adapt. Uh, you know, when they become MMA fighters, they're getting they're getting help from uh, guys coming in from other countries that have that have strong wrestling backgrounds and they're, they're doing all the right things. Um, you know, it's not a sport where you can be one dimensional and be successful to a degree anymore. Um, although we're starting to see some specialists have some success. Um, one other thing I wanted to comment about this fight is that one judge gave it to Gunnar Nelson and I can't understand what the fuck they were watching. Uh, this was a split decision for Leon Edwards and it should have been a unanimous decision. I would even argue that the round where he broke Gunnar Nelson's yeah. face should have been a 10, eight round yeah. easily. Like what the fuck is going on with these judges, Jeff? Um, I, I just don't, I, I don't know what the answer is. I think we need to have some kind of criteria. I think you need to have like some kind of experience to be able to do this. I've talked about this in the past to be a referee who is also a judge in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition, you have to be at least a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which means you had to have done it before. To be a judge in MMA, you just had to fill out a job application. Uh, it, there doesn't seem to be any kind of criteria. And I, I think there needs to be some kind of stipulation where, you know, maybe it has to be a former fighter, or but maybe at least somebody like, with some experience because you can't take like a retired fighter and give him a paycheck that a judge is making. Um, I imagine it's not very much. Um, so not a lot of former fighters are going to be jumping at the opportunity to do this. But, you know, maybe have have some kind of requirement, like you had to have had two amateur fights or, or something, you know? Um, because it wasn't just a Nelson and Edwards fight. I think 
that Vulcan Ozdemir got uh, robbed of a decision against Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes looked completely defeated at the end of this fight. And then uh, people were sharing pictures of the um, the strike counts saying that Reyes landed more strikes. Okay, but that could have been all in one round. Yeah. And, and then you don't know who's counting those strikes either. If you watch this fight objectively, like the judges have to do because they don't get strike counters or, or any of these uh, statistics, uh, Volkan Ozdemir controlled the fight. He showed off some wrestling skills, which – you know, we didn't really know he had, especially after his last two fights. But then you realize his last two fights were against monsters, Anthony Smith and Daniel Cormier. So anybody's going to look like a shitty wrestler against Daniel Cormier. But Ozdemir showed he's got some well-rounded skills. He's developing. He's got big punching power. And I, I think uh, I think he totally controlled this fight, and he should have won a decision. And this was another split decision. And again, I don't know what these judges were watching. I can't understand how you score this fight for Dominic Reyes. And, you know, it's a shame, Jeff, too. And I, I want to let you get in a point about this. But just one more thing I want to add. It's a shame because it, if you get robbed in a decision like this, you're not just losing a decision. You're losing half your paycheck. Um so I think maybe we need to reconsider the pay structure here. I think flat rate pay is fine. I think the fight of the night bonuses are enough incentive for guys to go out and put good performances on. But, um, you know, you're putting the livelihood of these guys and, and gals uh, in the hands of, of these judges who a lot of them seem to not even be qualified to be doing this job. So, you know, that's something that's really unfair. And I think we need to explore some other options. I've mentioned, you know, the possibility of a legislative body that oversees the, all the athletic commissions, and you can actually go to them for appeals and things like that. Um, so we, we got to work on, on some solutions here because we're seeing fighters, uh, having money taken out of their pockets. And then when you lose a fight, you know, you're on a downward slide. Now Ozdemir is on a three fight losing streak and he's a guy who's just fighting for the title you know, a year ago. So uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff, and then we'll kind of breeze over the rest of this card. Yeah, dude, I'm with you 100%. I thought Ozdemir got robbed in that one. I, I really didn't see anything from Dominic Reyes that made me think, oh, man, you know, Re I could see why they gave it to Reyes. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you give him that last round, but up until then, it was all Ozdemir. He looked good everywhere. He looked like he was controlling the cage pretty well. And, dude, I think this whole night, as exciting as a lot of these fights were, I think there were a lot of question marks here. Mm -hmm. um, the Claudio Silva versus Danny Roberts fight, huge question mark for me. Um, and, Bill, if you don't mind, I, I kind of wanted to uh, skip the Nathaniel Wood versus Jose Quinones fight for just a sec to talk yep. about the Silva versus Roberts fight. Because, mm -hmm. one... First off, let me take nothing away from the fight, Bill. This was an absolute war. Danny Roberts is so tough, dude, showing so much heart, getting out of submissions, controlling the fight on the feet, I thought, but really, really doing a good job on the ground in terms of getting out of Silva's submissions, making it hard for Silva to tap him. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the third round, Claudio Silva has, a, has an armbar locked on. Danny Roberts picks him up and slams him down. And then jumps over. He's he's basically out of the arm bar at this point. He's starting to get out of it. And the ref says stop. And because Roberts verbally tapped. But 
Okay, so here's the thing, is in jiu-jitsu, if you scream from, like, if you're in a submission and you scream, mm-hmm. uh, that is considered a verbal tap. But um, when they showed the replay, I didn't hear that. I didn't see his mouth moving up until the ref said stop. Then it looked like Roberts got up, you know, protesting it. Uh-huh. But I didn't hear a scream. I don't know if maybe the microphones didn't pick it up. But as of right now, I really think Roberts got screwed out of this one. Yeah, we would have to hear like an isolated audio because yeah. um, in the post-fight interview, they interviewed Roberts because of the controversy with the stoppage. And he said, yeah, I did yell out. Yeah, it did hurt. And I think he realized he put his foot in his mouth at that point. Mm. Because Yeah, if you scream out in pain, um, it, the referee can infer that that's a verbal submission. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a big gray area here. You know, it's a tough call. Um, I, I think this is an inexperienced ref in uh, Kevin Sataki. I'm not too familiar with him, but um, uh, using context, we saw Danny Roberts escape a lot of uh, close submission attempts from um, De Silva earlier in the fight. Although I have some thoughts about that as well, because I know you're a big fan of the arm triangle, Jeff, and, and the setup uh, for it. And Claudia De Silva had two of them set up where he had him locked in and he was just relying on his squeeze. He was on top mm. of Danny Roberts' jaw. And the way that you finish that is you slide down your opponent's body and you have to drive your shoulder up underneath the chin to really get that squeeze on the arm triangle. And he was content to be up high on Danny Roberts and rely on his squeeze to try and crush his jaw. And Danny Roberts, tough motherfucker, because that had to be really painful. And he was able to roll out of it twice. And the reason he was able to roll him over is because he was too high and he wasn't under the chin with the arm triangle. Now, this is surprising to me because this is a submission specialist, uh, you know, a high level black belt with a lot of experience um, to, to see these kinds of, uh, mistakes, uh, and, and even the way, you know, Roberts was able to slam him out of the arm bar. Yeah. You know, you would think a really high level jujitsu guy would be able to hang on to that. It was a little, um, but so using all that context, the fact that Danny Roberts was able to escape all those submissions and, and be in worse spots than he was with that arm bar, uh, you know, the referee should have used that as context for not stepping in there. But if you hear the guy scream or you think you hear the guy scream, mm. you got to look out for the safety of the fighter. I mean, if the guy gets his arm snapped in half and then the guy, uh, the opponent keeps going with it and, and this guy has a potentially uh, serious injury that could put him on the sideline for a long time, yeah. You got to use your judgment there, and it, it's a tough position. I don't I want to beat up the referee too much because I don't know what I would do in that situation mm. if I thought I heard the scream or, or you thought you hear something snap. Um, it, you know, he made a judgment call, and uh, unfortunately it didn't work out for Danny Roberts, who wasn't going to win the fight anyway. Um, it, you know, it looked like De Silva was really controlling a lot of the grappling and, and all the submission attempts. I, but then with these judges, you never know what they were looking at. So, um, you know, Danny Roberts could have gotten away with one there, but I, I think I, you know, he had to say that he, he wasn't submitting, you know, he has to save face here. So I get it. Um, uh, any, any other thoughts on, on this one, Jeff? 
Nah, um, I I guess you have a point there. Uh, I guess I would have to listen to the audio again. I don't know what the ref heard. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I'm going to keep my stance for now. But, um, you know, like you said, I'd have to listen to the audio again. Uh, some isolated stuff with, you know, the fans screaming and everything. It's a little hard. But... We'll see. Um, but, Bill, uh, speaking of submissions, a submission that I really liked was Nathaniel Wood versus Jose Quinones. Mm-hmm. Um, it was looking really – this fight was really competitive in that first round. Quinones was looking pretty solid. And then in the second round, he just looked drained. Uh, he took mm-hmm. Nathaniel Wood – actually, Nathaniel Wood took him to the ground and started putting some grappling mm-hmm. on him and transitions to the back very, very nicely – falls back and as he's falling back already locks up the rear naked choke and Canonez tapped pretty quickly um mm-hmm. so i assume wood had a really nice squeeze on that he was right under the neck bill what did you think about this one for the bantamweight division i, I thought it was really impressive by nathaniel wood and it, a guy in jose Canonez who's super tough and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit too big for this bantamweight division uh you know he he does he's very muscular um Never been submitted before, so that's a big feather in the cap for Nathaniel Wood. Gets it done in front of the hometown crowd. Uh, you know there was a lot of hype behind him coming into this fight, which means a lot of pressure. You know if you're fighting in front of your hometown crowd at this level, you've got you know people hitting you up for tickets all the time, and you've got your friends and family coming out to watch. And uh, you know there's a lot of pressure involved there. It's not necessarily an advantage, um, but. You know, Nathaniel Wood was put in the spotlight and, you know, he was shining there. So credit to him for a great performance and submitting a guy who had never been submitted previously uh, in Kenyonius, who's who's a really tough competitor. Um, I want to, uh, for the sake of time, just kind of hop around the rest of this card here. But there is one fight in particular I wanted to cover because, uh, again, because of a concerning situation involving a referee, and this was um, more of the fighter's fault. So on the on the prelims, we had Saperbek Safarov mm. and uh, Nikolai Negumariano. And what happened was Safarov kept grabbing the cage like, blatantly grabbing the cage and he was told to stop. He had his fingers uh, smacked out of the cage by the referee, Leon Roberts. And he was told repeatedly to stop. And then at one point, uh, Nego Mariano had a heel hook locked up and, uh, you know, Safarov grabbed the cage again and Roberts tried to step in, but it was kind of an awkward situation because Nego Mariano had the heel hook and it, it was a, a very strange. So he waited until Safarov got out and then he stopped the fight. He deducted a point in the first round from Safarov, which is the right thing to do. But when he tried to break them up to stop, Safarov wasn't stopping and he wasn't listening. Um, you know, Dan Hardy in the broadcast booth was was uh, calling for Safarov to be disqualified. I don't know if it's that serious. You, you know, you're in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, maybe I think there may be a language barrier there as well, but you know, the referee is touching you. You have to stop, uh, bottom line. I don't know that he should have been disqualified. The point deduction was definitely called for. And then as the fight goes on, it turns out that Safarov has a very distinct wrestling advantage. 
and he controls the fight and he smashes Nego Mariano's face again. We see um, a third broken orbital uh, on this card. Uh, the other one was uh, Molly McCann, who uh, was the only one to leave with a broken orbital and a victory on this card. Um, but yeah, just a, a very strange occurrence, especially when you see what a wrestling advantage uh, Safarov had. Uh, you know, why he would continue to keep grabbing the cage. There, there seems to be uh, maybe a lack of understanding of the rules or something here. Uh, you, you know, he can't be that, like, blatant of a cheater. You know, there, there must have been some kind of gross misunderstanding here. But uh, any thoughts on this, Jeff? Um, see, Bill, I I want to agree with you, but I see here's the thing, Bill, is the ref was physically had to grab Safarov, and mm -hmm. he still kept going. Yeah. I think at that point, language barrier or not, I think he could have probably gotten two points taken off or disqualification because it yeah. happened a few times, Bill. There were times where in that heel hook exchange, um, Safarov, I felt like he was going to get taken down. Mm -hmm. So um, him grabbing the cage definitely prevented that. I think it could. I think it kept Negamaruanu uh, from from potentially winning this fight in that first round because mm -hmm. um, that heel hook looked tight, but because he kept grabbing the fence, um, Negum, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, Negum Marianu. You got it. Yeah, was turning, and Safarov, he kept turning around Safarov, but because mm -hmm. he was grabbing the fence, Safarov's body was not following, so he couldn't get to the ground. So, Bill, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I thought Safarov should have been disqualified. I think – in one point when the ref was trying to pull him off, I think he even landed a punch while Negamaranu was down. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just a lot of things going on. Um, I understand Safarov is frustrated because uh, this was his first win in like three or four fights. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you got to, you know, you got to understand when the ref is physically pulling you off, you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. No language barrier is going to change that. Yeah. Fair point. I think, uh, I think a two point deduction would have been good. And, you know, there should, they should possibly look at a suspension or a fine or something for not uh, listening to the referee. Cause that's a big deal. You gotta, you gotta follow the referee's instructions. Um, uh, I'm going to breeze over some other things here, Jeff, Jack Marshman and John Phillips, uh, the two Welshmen got into, um, you know, a, a pretty good back and forth. It was a close fight, split decision for Jack Marshman, who missed weight by three pounds. So we're not going to give this one too much time. Arnold Allen and Jordan Rinaldi. Uh, Arnold Allen was able to uh, shut down the wrestling of Rinaldi and control the fight for unanimous decision. And we had Mark DeCasey and Joe Duffy. This uh, should have been, you know, this one was billed as another striker versus grappler, but DeCasey was able to uh, neutralize the grappling of Joe Duffy and, and also able to, Neutralize the striking comes away with a unanimous decision there. So that's a big one for DeCasey, who is on a three fight losing streak. Then Dan EJ, uh, Ige, uh, with a quick submission over Danny Henry, uh, one minute, 17 seconds into the first round, rear naked choke. Uh, very impressive. Um, and then Molly McCann and Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, this was a very back and forth fight. Molly McCann, interesting <laughs> grappling exchange in the first round where she was, she, she had a, a tight submission at 
you know, arm bar that she was trying to turn into a shoulder lock. And she was telling Priscilla to tap. She's like, you have to tap. <laughs> like, um, I, interesting. Uh, <laughs> oh shit. That's funny. Interesting strategy here. Uh, you know, Priscilla was able to escape and then they had a good back and forth and she smashed Molly McCain's face. Good. Um, you know, her eye was, um, was pretty much swollen shut. The doctor came in, had to take a look at her. Uh, she must've had a small sliver where she was still able to see out of it. And she's lucky it happened at the end of the fight because, uh, if it had happened earlier, it would have swollen completely shut. Uh, clearly broken orbital, but she was able to do enough to get the decision over Cachoeira. Uh, that was a really fun fight on the prelims. So I, I would recommend going back and watching that one uh, if you missed it. Uh, if you have the ESPN Plus app, you'll be able to do that, maybe, because I had a hard time, Jeff. Uh, I was out, you know, I, I was trying to put it on my phone at the at the brewery after after the race yesterday because it's a midday fight and uh sitting there having some beers trying to pull it up on my phone wouldn't work i even got home on my own wi-fi uh tried to use the espn plus app which you know i pay money for so i would assume it would work uh and it didn't i had to i had to watch the fights on my laptop you know i would have liked to get the app on my phone and, and stream it to the tv that uh, you know i've expressed frustration with this in the past um but it comes down to like why would you pay for a service that doesn't work and there are other methods to get it you know i i want to support this uh unison with espn and uh you know all the all the great mma content that they have available but uh you know i can't justify continuing to pay for this service if it's gonna be so glitchy and it, it seems like maybe they're not ready for the volume uh that that came with all the new subscribers or you know, maybe it's just buggy, but you know, this is a big company. They can have developers come in and, and fix the bugs in these apps um, that that have been brought to their attention multiple times. Uh, so, in any case, uh, any other thoughts on Fight Night One Forty Seven, Jeff, or or any other of the fights that I kind of breezed over at the end there? Uh, yeah, just one last thing. Uh, the McCann Cachuero fight was really, really fun. Um, <laughs> McCann is definitely a character. I'm looking forward to see her in that cage again. Um, and, and, you know, I wanted to get some hype around behind her um, because she's definitely someone to keep an eye out for. She's very exciting to watch. She's got a lot of energy. Um, but, Bill, I got to be honest with you, I'm on a bit of a fight hangover here. I feel like it's been every weekend for, like, I don't even know. To me, it feels like eight weeks. Uh-huh. I don't it's know not how over yet, Jeff. No, Bill, what do we got coming up <laughs> next week, Bill? Next week, we've got Fight Night 148 from Nashville, Tennessee, and it's headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Anthony Pettis, who – you know, in the past two years has fought as low as featherweight. And now he's moving up to welterweight to take on Steven Thompson for, for whatever reason, Pettis felt the need to call out Thompson. I, I think this is two of the most creative strikers, uh, that we've seen in the UFC and, and for very different reasons, you know, Anthony Pettis is very dynamic and explosive where Steven Thompson is very methodical with spectacular timing and a rhythm that people can't seem to figure out. Uh, I think this is a really interesting matchup. It's going to be really, 
I'm really curious to see how Anthony Pettis looks at 170 pounds. I mean, this is a guy who has made 145 pounds, uh, although he struggled and, and missed weight a couple of times. You know, long time, lightweight. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering why he decided to to make this move up to welterweight. He must have had some physical changes that, you know, only he can explain here. But I think this is a fun main event. And, and the rest of the card has some fun fights on it as well. But give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Dude, I'm excited for it. I want to see how Anthony Pettis looks at 170. That's a big jump. That uh, 15, is it 15? No, it's 25, right? Yes, 25 pounds from 145 to 170. Sorry, mm -hmm. uh, my brain farted on the math there. But yeah, um, big jump for for Pettis here. Um, considering that he was champion at 145, I want to say. Or was it 155? 155. Yeah, okay. So still a 15-pound jump, still pretty big. Um, you know, Pettis is getting older. Maybe it's just getting harder for him to make that weight cut. Um, you know, I... I'm 27, Bill, and after I turned 25, I found it a little bit harder to lose weight as quickly as I used to. So, I mean, that's just me. Um, Spoiler alert, it ain't going to get any easier, kid. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm eating my greens now, Bill. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, dude, uh, Thompson versus Pettis, both of these guys are very unorthodox strikers, but for different reasons. Um, Thompson can get in and out quickly. You know, he's got that um, karate style where it's more about winning points mm -hmm. and being there not being there when after, when your opponent is about to counterattack. But Pettis is very flashy. He's got very unorthodox style. He'll run off the cage and kick you, as we've seen. Um, and, you know, um, it's interesting because both of these guys need range to get going. So I want to see who can control that space or lack thereof more efficiently. You know, who can be there and then not be there when their opponent counterattacks. Um I'll be honest with you, though, Bill. I think Thompson has a bigger frame, so he might find some success using his length. But, you know, I, I haven't seen Pettis at 170 yet, so maybe he's big at 170. Maybe mm -hmm. he's uh, closer to Thompson's size. But, Bill, I'm excited for this card overall. I mean, you got Curtis Blades on here in the co-main event. John McDessie's in there. Luis Pena from... Um, a couple of seasons ago, the ultimate fighter, Macy Barber, who's got a lot of hype behind her, mm -hmm. is on here. Um, Frankie Sands versus Marlon Vera. That'll definitely be a fun fight. Alexis Davis is coming back. I haven't seen her in a while. She's a good fighter. Um, yeah, so overall, this fight looks really, really good. Uh, I feel like this is definitely one to, uh, to stick around for. And it's going to be on early, Bill. The main card starts at 8 next week. Yeah, which is fantastic. I'm I'm loving these early cards because um, it allows me to get to bed earlier because I'm old. Um, so while Anthony Pettis is moving up in weight, uh, Luis Pena moving down to 145. This guy is six foot three, Jeff. Uh, I'm gonna be very interested to see how he does with this weight cut. He seems to be convinced uh, that it's gonna be no problem. Uh, he's getting in there with Steven Peterson, who is a very experienced, you know, he's got almost triple the experience of Pena, but you know, if Pena thinks he could get that six foot three frame down to 145 pounds, then um, I, I guess he can, you know, he's young and uh, could probably drop the weight easily, but I, I feel like he's going to be very sucked out from this. Um, yeah, it'll be good to see Curtis blades get back in there. Curtis blades and Justin Willis is a, is a great contest. I mean, the, the wrestling of, blades and the, the durability of willis is going to be an interesting dynamic in there uh angela hill and randa marcos should be a really fun fight 
And then you mentioned John McDessey. He's fighting 22-year-old Jesus Pinedo. Uh, and that should be a really fun one. McDessey, really explosive, creative striker, likes to throw a lot of spinning wheel kicks and, and things like that. And, you know, 22-year-old kid getting in there, I'm sure he's going to he's gonna come uh, and bring it to McDessey. So that should be a fun one for sure. And you mentioned Marlon Chito Vera and Frankie Sainz. I think that's a really fun fight as well. So this is a good card. You know, I know you're on your hangover, Jeff, but it's time to, uh, you know, bite the dog that bit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm excited for this card, man. Um, yeah, this is going to be really, really fun. Like I said, it starts early. Um, I don't know how much of this I'm going to be able to catch, Bill, because um, – at work, uh, you know, I teach. So one of the students is in a band and they're having this like um, it's like a cover band of okay. like famous. Uh, it's hard to describe, but what, what are they calling it? They're calling it like um, Night of Rock or something at at school. And, you know, I got to show face, make sure these kids think I care. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you, you could just. Maybe watch it on your phone if the ESPN Plus app were to work. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Bill, you're asking a lot there, bud. I mean, <laughs> so before before we sign off, though, Bill, ESPN basically shows every sport that I don't watch. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, other people watch these sports. I don't mm -hmm. know why. But ESPN has been rather successful showing these people these sports that they shouldn't be watching. Yeah in in place of mma so what the hell bill i i, I don't know I, i'm not in the circles of these sports so i don't know if people who who watch you know basketball and other things like that um are having these same issues with the streaming or i don't know if it's just you know the mma platform that was added maybe there's some glitch in the code there uh i'm not too savvy on this sort of stuff but I don't know, Jeff. Uh, hopefully they figure it out. But this was a long one today. So I, I think we'll call it here and, you know, give us a shout on social media. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. If you guys want to get a hold of Jeff the Animal Wilson, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And, of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Send me an email, mmaontherocks.gmail.com. Visit our website, mmaontherocks.com, which is now live again uh, if you missed the announcement last week. So we'll be posting weekly articles there. And just want to close out with, with more positive vibes for Tony Ferguson and the family. And that's all we got for this week. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.